Yo, 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 welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of that Zay Kid podcast, welcome back. So, I'm here for a regular episode, right? Uh, I know I gave you guys my college football uh, playoff rankings reaction, right? <laughs> That's a lot. But I gave you guys my reaction to the rank, to the latest um, rankings. Um, so, hope you guys are enjoying that. If you want to go listen to that, you can go listen to that. Just dropped it. Um, but... This is a regular episode, you know, weekly episode that I do. I'm obviously you guys know the drill. Uh, I got some got some stories and segments lined up, obviously, and then we get to my top ten teams. I unveil that and so forth. But like I said, for all my college football listeners, for all my college football fans, if you love college football, I did a like I said, strictly a reaction to the playoffs. So you can go check that out. But you guys know how we give it up. Uh, this is your host, your highly humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Let's get into it. Shouts out to everybody listening. Um, I, I will say this again. I'm gonna be saying this uh over the next couple episodes. But hey, if you are a Spotify listener, this is a great chance for you to tap in with me. Uh, I will set some questions. Uh, there's now a new like there's like a new Q and A um portion. Uh, so. You guys can I can pose a question and you guys can answer it and reply to it. And I will be sure to uh, I can, you know, look at you guys' answers and replies and so forth. And we can, you know, talk about it at least on the, on the podcast. So I think that's pretty cool. So check that out. Uh, if you are a Spotify listener, you're listening to if you listen to my podcast on Spotify, uh, it should be right below, I guess, like the the. The podcast like episode i guess I, i'm not i think that's how it works um but yes for all my spotify listeners you that function is now available so you can do that and we can tap in and we can talk about it and so forth um so let's get into it shouts out to everybody listening uh all the regular listeners if you're a first-time listener shouts out to you as well so let's get into it um we had a coaching firing in indianapolis and Couple couple episodes ago, I would say, I kind of hinted towards this. The Indianapolis Colts, I think I've always over the past couple of years, I've always have said, like, hey, Chris Ballard has done a good job with building a pretty good roster. Um, usually typically they have been missing since Andrew Luck. They have just had a complete misfortune at the quarterback position. They have tried a lot of different pieces, uh, Kobe Brissett. Philip Rivers, um, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. And ultimately, I think in almost in a lot of these situations or in like Karen's or they've just been misses. And it's just been like, okay, Philip was too old, um, just not mobile, arm kind of shot, but they were good. Like they they were good enough. And they, I would say they kind of overachieved given the fact that those capabilities of Philip, like, kind of overachieved you look at car the the carson wentz uh, uh odeal carson wentz a little bit more athletic everybody was like hey carson wentz frank wright last time carson wentz had frank wright he had his uh he had his best season as a pro so there was a lot of optimism uh indianapolis with a pretty good roster but just some injuries on the offensive line um and carson didn't really play bad but they missed the playoffs, and it was due to them losing the the win you're in type of game versus Jacksonville last year, and they lost. They lost, right? So it's like, okay, so the Carson, the Carson Wentz thing 
kind of didn't work, right? He didn't have a bad year, but it didn't work. They didn't get to the playoffs. And then this year, they get off to a really, really slow start, and Matt Ryan just looks shot. Prior to the season, prior before the season, there was there was like, hey, there's some there's some optimism here because okay, Matt Ryan's not really he's not as mobile, um, or he doesn't have like the physical traits of a Carson Wentz, but he's a proven guy and the proven quarterback in this league can get it done. Can he's won a lot of games and so forth. Um, so with a running game, a solid defense, offensive line, we're like, okay, hey, Indianapolis. They should be okay. They should be decent. Matt Ryan should be decent at most, right? And I kind of talked about this. Matt Ryan, benefit of the doubt. We A lot of people was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like, Atlanta was like, yeah, he's washed. We're moving on. A lot of people gave Matt Ryan the benefit of the doubt and said, hey, he don't have to be 2016 Matt Ryan, right? Like, he don't have to be, like, elite, but he's got to be decent. Well, Matt Ryan turns out. He kind of was he's kind of over the hill. And the first the first, you know, warning of this where Frank Wright was his job. He's in the hot seat. The first sign was them benching Matt Ryan so early, like them benching Matt Ryan so early. That was kind of a telltale. That was kind of like a cautionary sign where like a telltale sign where it's like, okay, it's like a domino effect. And then the offense court, so they they insert Sam Ellinger as the starting quarterback, and then the offensive coordinator gets fired, and then Frank Wright gets fired. So it was literally a domino effect where they, I think, I think, I think owner Jim Ursay got to a point where he's like, he's a bit pissed because, like I said, since the Andrew Luck retirement, like they just have struggled at trying to find the right guy at quarterback and the the, the lot of, a lot of these pieces that they have gotten for at court at quarterback haven't been cheap like like they pray they paid a pretty penny for Phillip Rivers they paid a pretty penny for Carson Wentz they are so like they haven't been the most like cheap routes either so you given the fact that these options haven't quite panned out or haven't had the success that Ursay sh- thinks they should have, right? And they're expensive. <laughs> they're expensive. And a lot of these guys have kind of been over the hill. So with Frank Wright getting fired, and, and for my, in my opinion, I think Frank Wright is a good football coach. Like, I think he knows his stuff, especially offensively. And I think he'll probably serve dividends and have some type of um, – some type of impact somewhere else on on somebody's coaching staff, right? Because he's a good he's a good coach. I don't think he's I don't think necessarily he's a bad coach. Like I don't look at Frank Wright like damn like his X and O's he's just not good at it. Like no, I think it's a it's the it's a tip it's the typical and I always say this because it's hard it's hard as hell to win consistently on a consistent basis if you don't have the quarterback position correct. And that's the typical job that Frank Wright, like, you know, that's a typical NFL job. That's typically how NFL coaches get fired, where they take a job, they take a job with organizations, owners get a little perturbed, they don't have, they don't quite have the quarterback situation worked out. And granted, you look at Frank Wright, his resume, he's 40 and 33 as a coach. He had 
three winning seasons, three seasons above 500, and now they're three, five, and one. It just looks like uh, Indy, it's like, okay, it's time to move on. Um, and Ursay, Ursay, like I said, Ursay's pissed. I, f- I feel like he's more so pissed and more so like we just need a fresh start. And so that's what I think about the, the Frank right, like firing. Like it was a domino effect. It was kind of a cautionary tale where like, okay, you look at, uh, you look at bench Matt Ryan, you fire the offensive coordinator and then like it's just going up the totem pole and then you fire Frank Wright, the head coach, right? So that's that. And you can really argue like, hey, did he really deserve to get fired? Uh-huh. It's hard. It's hard. But do I understand the firing? Kind of. But like I said, Frank Wright, I don't think he's a bad coach. Like, I don't think his X's and O's are just bad. I just think, like, it's the typical, like, hey, he took the job. Um, they, They've they been trying to figure out the quarterback thing. They really haven't figured out the quarterback thing. And it's just been like, uh, like, that's just what that's just what it is. Um, their offense this year has been pretty anemic. I think there's been some some misfortune in terms of like injuries to the offensive line because the offensive line just isn't the same. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has been completely like a, a just a a non factor. Like just don't even exist. <laughs> and he he had a great year this past uh, last year. So it's like just really weird. Now on to the Jeff Saturday at being the interim head coach. And I know I know what a lot of people have been saying, like, hey, Jeff Saturday, ESPN analyst, has no coaching experience. How the hell did he get the job? And I, I thought that to myself too. Like, hey, okay. I like I like Jeff Saturday. And I as an ESPN analyst, I hear some of the stuff he talks about and so forth. And I think he's a obviously I think he's knowledgeable about the game, but as a coach, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And we can talk about like how other uh, like coaches of color where that's usually like the the excuse that people often hear is like, hey, he, you know, he just don't have enough coaching experience. Just just not enough. That's usually what when uh, when a black coach doesn't get the job, that's usually the reason behind it. Right. Like just don't have enough experience. Just doesn't. Well. And it's just like, okay, Jeff Saturday, he got the coaching job and he has no experience whatsoever at coaching at any college or professional level. So it, it, it's a bit weird. It comes off away. I'm not going to get into the logistics of that because, like, we all know, like, we all know what that is and what that was, what, what this is with Jeff Saturday. Um, my thing is, hey, if it don't work, he moves off of Jeff Saturday. He actually hires a qualified candidate. Uh, Ursay, if Jeff Saturday pans out to work, it's like, okay. And I know a lot of people like, well, they hired Jeff Saturday as a former player. They could have just hired Reggie Wayne, who's a former player, who's actually on the coaching staff. In a way, I'm kind of glad that Reggie Wayne doesn't, he didn't get the job because this is a bad, like, this is a bad job now. Like, Indianapolis, they're clearly, like, they're not buyers, they're sellers. So they're they're moving off of they're moving off a lot of pieces and they're clearly going in a in a they're they're trending downward. 
So I'm I'm glad that Reggie Wayne didn't get the job. I'm glad that he didn't take the job and it wasn't even I'm glad because it just would have been a stain on his young early coaching resume, right? So I'm in a, in a way I'm glad for that. Um that's my thoughts. That's my thoughts on on um on, on the Indianapolis dealio. I think you look at Indianapolis, uh, like I said, it's been a lot of just misfortunate and I think Chris Ballard like He's done a good, like I said, he's done a good job. I think he's done a pretty good job at roster building and getting pieces, right, on both sides of the ball. But they just have missed at the quarterback position. Every, like, they've just missed. And they've been trying to find Andrew Luck's replacement. And it's like, we always, when Andrew Luck, after Andrew Luck retired, there was always like like a glimmer, like a slim glimmer of hope that at some point he had come back. And I think I think Indianapolis, I think Jim Ursay, I think I think some of the people in the building and, and with the with the Colts always had like a glimmer of like hope that at some point, one of these seasons, one of these years, Andrew Luck is just gonna come back through that door through those doors and we we're gonna have the quarterback thing situated. Like that I think I think that was some of the thought process with a lot of um with a lot of with a lot of the with the people in that Indianapolis organization and as every year has just gone by like year by year the seasons go by i think like that that slim glimmer of hope that they had since he retired has just completely gone away i think it's just i think it's just completely gone away so it's kind of Kind of unfortunate for Indianapolis. Like I said, Frank Wright, I think he'll definitely be on somebody's coaching staff and he'll serve dividends and so forth. But um, that's just what it is. That's just what happens in the NFL. Um, Let's move on to the Packers. Let's move on. So last week, um, I told you guys, I was like, the Packers are not good enough. I just don't think they're good enough. That's why they didn't make a move. Well, details come out. The Packers did try to make a move like DJ Moore, uh, Darren Waller, guys like that to add to their passing game. But still, I still I think I still stand on my point where I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think this team is just one move away and they're contenders. Right. So then I this past Sunday, they go on the road to Detroit. Detroit's not good, but. The Packers lose, lose their fifth straight game. So they lost their fifth straight game. They're now sitting at three and six. Aaron Rodgers is making an average of $50 million per year. And I came to a conclusion. I'm like, maybe looking at the next three games, and hear me out. I know this might sound crazy, but there, there's some, here's some rational thinking. Next three games, they got to play Dallas, Tennessee, Philadelphia, right? At the way they're looking right now, at best, they go one and two. A lot of people will probably predict that they go 0 and 3 down that stretch. So we're talking about losing eight straight games. And I saw an article. I'm like, this article is basically talking about, it's basically explaining what the hell are the Packers going to do with Jordan Love? And then I thought, should the Packers bench Aaron Rodgers? Think about it. Like I said, 
Aaron Rodgers is approaching 39. He's not young. He's not a spring chicken. He's had he's had a few injuries, a few major injuries. Like I said, he's he's on the books. He's making a yearly, he's making a, he's making an average salary of $50 million per year. Why, if the, if the Packers lose this game versus the Cowboys and fall to three and seven, they're already four and a half games behind Minnesota in the division. And all it takes for another team to win a, win a game in their in their conference, they're they're essentially out of the playoff race. So why 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 can why continue to play Aaron Rodgers to risk injury or so forth? Why, when the season is a loss? As I said, like to my point, first the Packers were not good enough. They weren't just one move away. But more importantly, I say bench Aaron Rodgers because you have to see if Jordan Love can play. You have to see if Jordan Love have the goods. Because the Packers right now, <clears throat> with an expensive, um, aging quarterback, right? And I think, granted, Aaron Rodgers hasn't looked great this year. The offense has looked anemic, so forth. I still think Aaron Rodgers can play, right? I still, I think, I still think he can play. But you gotta see if Jordan Love have the goods, because as I talked about, as I explained, this Packers roster and their direction is really confusing for me. So you gotta see if Jordan Love can play, because this coming May, you gotta make a decision on his contract. You gotta make a decision: you gonna pay him or no? And here's the and here's the worst case, best case scenario with benching Aaron Rodgers. Best case scenario, you bench Aaron Rodgers. You see if Jordan Love can play. If he, if he can play a little bit, he wins a couple games. That boosts his trade value. You can use him as an asset. You can use him as a trading piece. Because you look at you look at the Packers financially. Boy, you think they were salary cap strapped this year. You just look ahead of next year, where they have Aaron Jones, twenty million dollar cap hit. They have David Bakhtiari, huge cap hit. They have Jair Alexander, $20 million cap hit. And I think they got a couple more cap hits that are just enormous. So you look at the financial structure of the Packers. They are a team. They need, if they're going to get better, they need to get better through the draft. They need young, cheap, inexpensive players. And Jordan Love could be that, that piece where, like, okay, if he shows a little bit something, in this second half of the year, if the Packers decide to play him, which I think they should if they lose another game, they should really look into starting Jordan Love. So that's the best case scenario. Best case scenario, he looks okay, he looks good. And you use him in the offseason, you use him as a trading asset, a trading piece, um, and you get you acquire some picks back for him. Whatever, right? Because there's gonna be teams that need quarterbacks all throughout the league, right? So you 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 look, you see if he can play. If he can play, he impresses a team. His trade value goes up. You don't just get anything for him; like you you, you actually get something back for him, and you use that. Worst case scenario is Jordan Love can't play. You just swallowed the pill that he was a wasted pick, and you wasted assets to move up and draft him. But in that same case. You have a top 10 pick. 
for me personally, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's crazy to th- to to do. If you're the Packers, think about it. You're three and six. <laughs> you're four and a half games behind Minnesota. Minnesota is running away with this division. They're running away with this division. And you look at the entire NFC conference, the Seahawks already are at six wins. The 49ers are getting healthy. The Cowboys and the Giants are already at six wins. And then look at your next three games. Dallas, Tennessee, and Philly. Be honest with yourself. You're Okay, you win one of those games. Hell, you beat Tennessee. You still take on Dallas and Philly. Well, you're probably Dallas and Philly. They're better teams. They're better teams. You're probably going to lose to those teams. You lose to Dallas and Philly. That's two more conference losses on top of the losses that you have. I just don't think there is any benefit or gain with playing Aaron Rodgers. There's no benefit. If the Packers are not in playoff contention, I don't think there's no gain or benefit to playing or starting Aaron Rodgers. The only the only thing you risk when playing Aaron Rodgers once you're out of playoff contention is injury to a 39-year-old quarterback who you have to pay $50 million to on a yearly basis. That's what you risk. You risk injuring a 39-year-old quarterback or a 39-year-old quarterback getting hurt who you have to pay $50 million to essentially over the next three years. Think about that. On top of the financial the financial burden next year, I mentioned three big cap hits. Okay, you pay Aaron Jones. Okay. The David Bakhtiari contract, he's a great, he's a great left tackle before his injury. But since the injury, Bakhtiari really hasn't uh, he hasn't really looked the same. Jair Alexander, he's a really good DB. He's a really good corner. But you you gotta his cap hit is $20 million. So the Packers are financially like their salary cap strapped, right? The only way this team can improve, really, Green Bay's never been a free agent hub. It's never been a free agent destination. That's never how that's never that like that's rare. The Packers have rarely done well in free agency. That's they're just not a free agent destination. They're not a free agent hub. No one wants to live in Green Bay. <laughs> just being honest. This team has always improved and has built itself through the draft. And if you play Jordan Love, like I said, he goes out there, you play him, you see if he got the goods. If he got the goods, he impresses a team or two. You use him as trade bait. You use him as trade bait, and you you acquire something for him. On the flip side, if he doesn't play well, and it seems like, yeah, it was a wasted pick, right? Then that's that's what it is. But then you get a top 10 pick, right? You get a top 10 pick, you utilize that pick correctly. I don't know. I don't know. If you're a Packers fan, I would I, I know it's like, why in the hell are you benching Aaron Rodgers? But think about it. What's the game? What is the game? If you're if you're playing Aaron Rodgers with no play, with no hopes of the playoffs, and I already said it last week, I just don't think this team is good enough. Even with one move, I don't think they're a team where you look at you like, yeah, this team is really one move away. I don't think so. I think they're a team that 
that need some more pieces. And they need cheap, inexpensive young players. How do you get that? You get that through the draft. How do you get that? You got to build up some type of draft capital. That's what the Packers need to do. Okay. So let's shift gears. Uh, Let's go to, I want to talk about the Rams speaking because I think we're seeing a trend, right? And please, you guys know I love Sean McVay. I like the Rams approach, but I'm going to talk about the Rams struggles and I'm going to kind of like bring it full circle where like, hey, this is what happens when you do this. And the Rams, they're a disaster. They're a disaster, right? Like they're they're a complete disaster. And I kind of saw this leading up after week one. And granted, it was the Bills. So like it was kind of hard because we was like, okay, Buffalo is really good. Buffalo is really good. But the Rams can't be that bad, right? Well, no. They're that bad. So the, the Rams lost. They blew a game versus Tampa Bay. I thought they should have won that game versus Tampa Bay. They should have put that game away, but they didn't. They allowed Tom Brady to have the game win and drive and do what Tom Brady does, right? So the Rams are now, I think they're sitting at three in five, two games um, below 500, and they have two teams that's ahead of them in the standings. The 49ers have the tiebreaker. The 49ers will their schedule eases up a little bit. I think the 49ers will win a lot of games. The Seahawks are already 6-3. and three. I think the Seahawks will win some games. It looks like the Rams are not going to be a playoff team at this moment. Sean McVay came out publicly, talked about how things need to change. Right. I say this. The Rams, and I'm, I'm going to put it in perspective how bad they have been. The Rams are currently on pace for the second worst Super Bowl defense in NFL history. So any defending champ, they are going to probably finish as the second worst defending champ ever. Um I think I think the the team with the least amount of wins after winning the Super Bowl the following season with the 99 Broncos. I think the 99 Broncos, they went 6 and 10 and obviously the 99 Broncos, then 97, 98, they won back-to-back Super Bowls with John Elway, Terrell Davis, those guys, you know, right? So, they went 6 and 10 in 1999. You ask yourself why they go 6 and 10 in 1999. Big reason is John Elway retired in 99. <laughs> after the after the two back-to-back Super Bowls, Elway retired. The Rams are currently on pace for like seven, eight wins. Like that's 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 what they're on pace for. And this is this is kind of the downside to what the Rams were doing. The Rams were going all in, and when you push all of your chips to to in the middle of the table, and when you go all in on trying to win a Super Bowl, the aftermath to that is. You have no assets like you are there like the Rams. You look at the Rams, man. It, it They have no draft capital whatsoever. I just see a bunch of really, really top in expensive 
players. This is what it and and, last, and granted, like I know some people would say on some fans would probably say, hey, but it worked, Isaiah. Like it worked. They won the Super Bowl. And you're right. You're right. That's why I think like the criticism, like the Sean McVay criticism and just the overall criticism of this team is it's like, okay, we kinda I think some people kinda saw this coming where like they push all their chips in the middle and it turns out like it just they're just not good right now. They're just not good. And offensively, they can't do right. They can't do much right. Um, Matthew Stafford, since he's become a Ram, he's led the league in interceptions. Last year, he led the, led the league in interceptions with 17. This year, he's on pace. I think he's tied with someone. I think he's tied with Matt Ryan for most interceptions in the league. Like, Matthew Stafford has not been good. And he was really turnover prone last year. But at least, like, I think the winning and them being really, really good on offense kind of, like, disguised that a little bit. Matthew Stafford has not looked too good this year. Their defense, I mean, their defense over the past few years, collectively, consistently, have been a really good unit. That has not been the case. And then I already told you guys, I think they're too Cooper Cup reliant. And I think teams in defenses, they know that Cooper, and this is not me saying Cooper Cup isn't good, right? But defenses know that Cooper Cup himself by himself will not be able to beat you. So Cooper Cup can stay. I think he, he's on pace to have a really good season, right? But he, him himself cannot just single-handedly destroy you. So his 10 catches and 140 yards and a touchdown, it, I mean, like, like individually, like, Cooper Cup is great. But, like, defenses, no, that's not going to kill them. And that's, like, like he's not going to single-handedly beat them. So you take all of that into account in terms of like, okay, offensively, they are just hard to watch. They can't really run the football. They have some offensive line issues. They're Cooper, they're too Cooper Cup dependent. Defensively, Jalen Ramsey, still a really good corner, I think. But usually with great corners, you see you start to see a change um in a in a in a dip in terms of like around year eight, year nine. And I think he's experiencing that. I think he's I think physically he is not the same. Um, I think physically he has to adjust to like maybe he isn't the physical guy or specimen that he once was a few years back because he struggled a little bit during the playoffs last year. We kind of saw this trend throughout the playoffs a little bit last year. And like I said, Jalen Ramsey is still a well-respected corner. It's still a really good corner, but to his standards, he just hasn't played up to par. To his standards, he hasn't played up to par. And even Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald is great. He's probably the greatest defensive player I've ever seen with my two eyes. With my two eyes, for my for my buck, he's the greatest defensive player I ever seen. I didn't see Lawrence Taylor, right? I didn't see Deion Sanders. I see. I I didn't saw Aaron Aaron Donald, and. He still has his flashes, and you still like that. That's Aaron Donald, but even to, even to his degree, his level, like he's just not as dominant, right? So they won the Super Bowl last year, right? But this is the flip side when you go all in. This is the flip side, and 
I just got done talking about the Packers. The Packers are one of those teams where financially you look at all the salary, all the all the salaries that they had, all the salary burden that they have put on themselves. They were trying to go all in for the past couple of years. The Packers have tried to been go all in, and it just hasn't worked. They it, it hasn't amounted to anything for the Packers, really. It hasn't. You look at Tampa Bay. Tom Brady is a free agent this upcoming this upcoming uh, spring. If Tom Brady walks away from the from the Buccaneers, they're gonna be that's thirty five million in in the dead cap. So you look at these teams, especially in the NFC, where they have some older, expensive quarterbacks, and they have gone all in. They find themselves either in salary cap hell or no draft picks because the backers they're in salary cap hell, and it's it's going to be it's going to be in salary they're going to be in salary cap hell for the next two years at least. You look at the Rams. The Rams have no draft capital. They have no draft capital. So I'm not like I said. I'm not saying, hey, if you have a good team, don't go all in because this can happen. No, but eventually, essentially, this will happen because this is this is just how the NFL works. It'll happen. But when you have a really talented roster, you I, I do want teams to go all in. I do. I do t- I do want teams to be aggressive, but this is the downside. This is the flip side to to that, right? This is the flip side to that. So this like I said, this Rams team, they're on pace for the second worst Super Bowl defense um in league history at the 99 Broncos. The 99 Broncos went six and ten, and they lost a couple pieces. So I yeah. <clears throat> I'm just I'm just here delivering the message. And I look at the Packers, I just don't think they're good enough. I told you guys that last week. I'm going to continue to stress it. They're not good enough. I don't think the Packers are good enough. Uh, I'll be back after this quick break. All right, so um, I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to do my top 10 list. My top 10 list. My top 10 list. Top 10 teams. We do this on a weekly basis. Um, I think people like this segment. I think a lot of people like this segment. Um, because I, I don't just give you like the teams with the best record. Like, obviously, teams that I have on my list are gonna have really good records, right? But I don't just do like power rankings and like who got the best record, and who is six and two, and if they're six and three, they're gonna be no, 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 no. I I take my time, take my time with this list. Probably I spend too much time with this list, probably, um, and crafting it. So let's get into my top ten. I don't think it looks too differently from what it did last week, but maybe there's some move. I think there is some movement. So let's get into it. Top 10. All right, at 10, I had the Seahawks. They're on a full-game winning streak, and I, last week I was like, is this a good team or a good story? This is a good team. They're on a full-game winning streak, and guess what? In that in this four-game winning streak, they've won the games all by 10-plus points. So they're not just winning games consistently. They're winning games and beating teams and blowing out teams. Like, simple as that. Since week six, they've had the best defense in the league. Geno Smith is balling. This is a Pete Curl type of team. I, they, they, they First of all, Pete Curl did an awesome, excellent job in drafting this year. The Seahawks by far, by like Seahawks easily 
had the best draft this year. I mean, they they really drafted some. They drafted literally like a, a few Pro Bowlers, like literally. So the Seahawks, um, I like. I don't think they're a good story. I think they are a really good team now. Down the stretch, their schedule does toughen up a little bit. Could the 49ers potentially catch them in a division race? Yes, but this Seahawks team, I think they're still bound for a play. I think they're a playoff today. They look like a playoff team today. Could look like a playoff team. They will. They, you don't want to play Seattle. Seattle, four, like I said, four game winning streak, and they went and they won all these games by ten plus points. They're they're balling on both sides of the ball. Seahawks at ten. At nine, I have the Ravens. I know, third straight win for Baltimore. As I told you guys, you look at their schedule, their schedule is going to easy up. It's, it's going to lighten up. Their schedule is very favorable down the stretch. Um, now, they went into New Orleans, a hostile environment, and they just completely had their way. They had their way with New Orleans. With, with like Offensively, everybody knew Baltimore was going to run the ball. They were missing Mark Andrews, no Rashawn Bateman. I mean, the, like literally everybody and their grandmothers knew that Baltimore was going to run the ball. New Orleans still couldn't stop it. Lamar had another really, really good showing. This Ravens team, I think they're they're, they're going to start the click. They're starting to find their groove. Their schedule is very favorable. It lightens up. I think this Ravens team is going to be okay. Ravens at nine. At eight, I have the Dolphins. They're 6-0 when Tua is healthy. They're 6-0 when Tua is healthy. They have people in the right spot. They're they are they are a great third down offense. Great third down offense. Now I do think their defense is underperforming a bit. I do, but they're second in passing yards per game. Second in passing yards per game. This Dolphin. Here's the thing. Tyreek Hill is so 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 special and valuable. He is literally like what you can even with Jalen Waddle. Waddle had a really good rookie year, but. The 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 leap that Waddle has taken from his rookie year to his second year, and you look at his numbers, it's just a drastic leap. And really, the only explanation for well, I'm not gonna say the only explanation because I do think Waddle, like, is there is there like he got better as a player, but the leap, the jump statistically, all of that, a lot of that can be contributing to Tyreek Hill because defenses. Fear Tyreek Hill. Defenses fear the God. They fear the living hell out of Tyreek Hill. So they pay so much attention to Tyreek Hill. It just has opened up the field for everybody else. And we said it. This Dolphins team, they were going to win some games. They were going to win some ball games because they won a lot of games last year. But then you look at they got to upgrade offensive line, left tackle. They got to upgrade at receiver. They got to upgrade at the like they offensively minded coach. You look at Mike McDaniel, smart guy, smart, smart kid. This Dolphins team, I think, is really good. They're asking, they're asking Tua to do things that he's comfortable with. They're not asking him to do the things that he's not comfortable with. I like this Dolphins team. Dolphins at eight. At seven, I have the Bengals. Now, I think could I have them low? I could, but I want to see how they continue to do with no Jamar Chase. Now, they found a little bit of their running game with Joe Mixon. I think that would be beneficial for their offense. This team can still win some games, and this offense can still pull up some points without Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is really, really valuable, but I still think they can put up points. They have enough weapons. They they still got Joe, Joe Burrow, who has a 70 completion percentage. They still have pieces. Joe Mixon, I think, 
should be utilized a little bit more. Even when Jamar Chase comes back, I think they should they should lean on the running game a little bit more, more, more noticeably. I think they should be a little bit more balanced than what they are um, with a healthy Jamar Chase. I think it would really it would really make their offense a lot more harder to stop. So I got the Bengals at seven. I think they have a really good. I think they have a really underrated defense. Defense is really underrated because they don't have like any like notable superstar all pro caliber players, but it's a really good defense. Bengals at seven, at six, at the Cowboys. They, I mean, they have. It's like they have playmakers literally at every level of their defense. Like they got a great edge. Um, run stopper and Demarcus Lawrence. Obviously, we know how great Michael Parsons is. Um, he may my he may be my defensive player of the year. Um, and then then in the back end, they got Trayvon Diggs. I mean, collectively, they play great defense. They have like a best sack differential in foot in football. They win the turnover battle. Um, and guess guess what? Their offense could use a little bit more explosiveness. Yes, that's why I think they're interested in OBJ. And I think if they get OBJ, I think that could possibly take them to the next level. Could they use a little bit more explosiveness? Yes, but their offense does not turn over the football. So you look at their defense is able to get to your quarterback. Their defense is able to turn over the football. Their defense has playmakers at every level. And then you look at, hey, offensively, could they be a little bit more explosive? Yes, but do they turn over the football? No, they're winning the turnover battle. You're going to win a lot of games. Just based off the fact of winning the turn, like my defense can turn you over, and my offense won't give it back. That's a that, that's huge. I think that's huge. So the Cowboys at six. Do I think there's some little intricate details that they can clean up in terms of like coaching and stuff? Yes, and that's why I'm hesitant to put them a little bit higher. But this Cowboy team is really really good. Cowboys at six. At five, I have the Vikings. Yes, T.J. Hawkinson is a steal. He's an in-division steal at tight end. Um, I'm I'm a bit, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm surprised that Detroit just gave him up to a division foe. I'm surprised. I'm like, I'm really surprised. As I told you guys like a month ago, I told you guys a month ago, I was like, you look at the Vikings schedule, they're going to pile up some Ws. Well, look, six-game winning streak. A current six-game winning streak, um, they coming off an impressive win versus the Commanders. Now, here's the thing. They won a lot of close games, and I do think there is some skill to that. I think there is, like, an element to that where, like, you have to be a really good football team down the stretch and winning these close games. Some of that is – I think the other portion of that is luck. I think the Vikings, they have have been been graced some luck this year with winning a lot of close games, but – I do think there is part of that. I do think there's like a skill to that. I think there's like, as a, as a team, collectively, you got to be able to win and close out close games. So that's great that the Vikings have been able to win a lot of close games. But I think one half of that is like, okay, they're really good down the stretch. That's a skill. But I also think like, hey, you're not going to win every close game. So Vikings on a six-game win streak. But like I told you guys, I kind of figured they would pile up some W's because you look at their schedules like win, 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 another win. Like they're gonna pile up W's. Six game winning streak, four and a half lead, four and a half game lead in their division. The Vikings looking like they might host a playoff game at home. Um, at four, I have the 49ers. They're getting healthy at the right time. Their schedule really, really starts to lighten up at the right time. 
Now, granted, they're all the 49ers always seem like they're banged up and they're hurt and they're always just crawling to the finish line. This year, it should be a little bit of a, of a difference where they got hurt early. They were missing a lot of players early, but now their schedule lighting up. They're the most physical football team in the league. They have the number one total defense in the league. They're getting healthy, I think, at the right time as their schedule lightens up. They'll be able to keep close in that race with Seattle, 49ers at four. At three, I got to put the Bills. And honestly, I was thinking about putting the Bills a little bit lower. The Bills at three, I, I think, right as I told you guys, Josh Allen is super, uber talented to a point where the Bills rely on him too much. He sometimes, he is the running game. That is too much. That's too much to ask of Josh Allen. And quite honestly, I don't think it's sustainable. I think Josh Allen is an awesome talent. I think talent, he's awesome. But with asking him to do so much, guess what? He is second in the league in turnover-worthy plays behind Matt Ryan. To add some context to that, Matt Ryan was just benched a couple weeks ago. I'm not saying Josh Allen should be benched, but the kind of shows you like, okay, like the Bills, they're asking him to do a lot to be their passing game, obviously, and then their running game. It's a lot to ask, and he's a big guy, and Josh Allen, you can rely on him a lot, but they're too Josh Allen dependent. They have no running game that's really critical for the playoffs and, and, and trying to close out and seal playoff games. I'm a little worried about that with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen's injured. So, Bills at three. At two, I have the Chiefs. Now, they start off really slow. Um, now that's just, I guess that's their thing. Like the chiefs, they can play, they play from behind better than anyone else in this league. They're four, no, when trailing by eight plus points this year, but you ask yourself, why are they trailing by eight plus points in games? Don't know. Don't know. I think they get off to some really, really slow starts. Um, they, I, I guess from a spectator point, they may, they, 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 they get you very worried. Because they they trail a lot, but I guess it's like I guess it's this their thing. Like they're able to come back and make up for these margins and these deficits. They they play they're the best team from behind. When they're playing from behind, they're the best team in the league from playing from behind. So I got the Chiefs that too. They're great. And Andy Reid, I trust. I like Patrick. Obviously, like we love Patrick Mahomes. They're gonna be fine. Chiefs that too. And then at number one, I have the Eagles. I'm sorry. You can people can say, well, Isaiah, who have the Eagles played? They haven't played anybody. People can say that. And I, I would say I would disagree. I mean, granted, their schedule has been favorable um, towards them. And I pointed that out before the season started. I was like, you look at this Eagles schedule. They're going to win a lot of games. The Eagles are going to win a lot of games. And people are now catching on, like, okay, this Eagles team is really good. But people are saying, hey, who have they played? I don't care. Like, with having a favor, I'm not going to say their schedule's easy, right? But with having a favorable schedule like the Eagles do, and as good as we think the Eagles are, they should be blowing out teams. Well, that's what the Eagles have been doing. So I can't really knock their schedule um, or who they're playing because they're blowing everybody out. They're winning their games fairly handily. So 
that's the that's the that's kind of like the that's the flip side to it like six in one hand half a dozen in the other like okay you can say they have a favorable quote-unquote easy schedule i don't okay whatever they have an easy schedule but with them having an easy schedule they are demolishing and dominating and blowing out teams so if that's going to be your premise of like okay they got an easy schedule well you gotta also a beat you gotta like you gotta acknowledge the fact that they're winning games and they're winning them quite easily and quite comfortably that's the thing that 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 is that is my thing. So I'm not gonna say this kid like obviously that schedule doesn't mean hard, but I'm not gonna knock them for having a favorable schedule. They play who's on the schedule, but with that they've been blowing out teams. So I gotta give it to the Eagles. I think they have the best combination of offensive line, D line in the league. I mean, Jalen Hurts. I have my doubts. I'm not gonna lie. I have my doubts, but Jalen Hurts, and I'm and I'm happy that he's working out. Jalen Hurts looks like he's he's a legitimate MVP candidate. He's a legitimate MVP candidate, and I think a lot of people will probably pick him as right now the favorite to win it or have the best chances to win it. So I got the Eagles at one. I'm not mad at it. I, I'm very curious to see how they line up with like a Bills or Chiefs team that can really score some points and keep up with them. I'm really, I would be interested to see in that, but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But that's my top 10 list. Um, like I said, we do it on a weekly basis. Uh, and, and I, I don't, I always, I always, I never really liked that argument of, well, who have they played? And I get like, I get it. Like you're going to play really good teams in the playoffs, but, a couple years ago, right? I can remember this. I think the Steelers started off like eleven and zero. I think they started off eleven and zero, twelve and zero, and so many people were like the Steelers are so good and the Steelers. Are... But some people were also using that same argument where like, okay, who have they played? They haven't played anybody. Remember that the Steelers a couple years ago they started off I think like eleven and zero, and you asked them who have they played. People was like. Who are the Steelers play? Well, with that Steeler team, they were winning a lot of close games with teams that really weren't that good. So it did. There was some validity in asking, like, how good is this Steeler team? Because we saw, like, we saw that they had holes. We saw that they had deficiencies. But the team, most of the teams that they were playing weren't good enough to really take advantage of it. With this Eagles team, that is not the case. They are really good, and they're good on both sides. They can they do a lot well. They run the football. They pass it effectively. They can block. They can get to your quarterback. They can turn you over. They've won the turnover battle in every game this year. Every game this year, they have won the turnover battle. And like I said, Philly does something that Buffalo can't, which is run the ball. When Philly get, that's and that's really the difference. When Buffalo takes a lead. Buffalo gets pass happy because they can't run the football. When Philadelphia takes the lead, they sit on the clock and they run the football because they're able to run the football and control the line of scrimmage. So if you're going to say, hey, Philadelphia has a favorable favorable schedule or or quote unquote easy schedule, right? Then you got to be, you got to acknowledge the fact that they're also beating teams really handily 
and it's hard to spot a weakness. A couple years ago, that Stiller team that fin- that started off eleven and zero or something like that, or like ten and zero, it was something like that, where they went like sort of like ten and zero, eleven and zero. That Stiller team, they had a lot of deficiencies. They couldn't throw the ball over top. Like they had a lot of deficiencies, and quite frankly, they won a lot of close games. This is not the same story with this Eagles team. This Eagles team do a lot well. They're really good. They're well coached. They're buttoned up. It's hard to find a weakness. It it really is. Um, so I think this is gonna wrap it up. Uh, I gave you guys two episodes this week, right? I gave you guys two episodes. So I gave you guys my um my college football playoff uh rankings, re- you know, reaction, right? Uh, please, if you have it, go check that out. Um, and then this episode, this episode will be available for you guys Saturday morning, top of Saturday morning. So you guys can listen to this. Um, yeah, you guys can listen to this Spotify, Spotify listeners, I think get it a little bit earlier than everybody else. So I'm not, not enticing you guys to move to Spotify. If you use something else, that is fine. If you use Apple podcasts, whatever, I, I don't. I don't care, uh, but make sure you do subscribe uh, so you can get those notifications on your phone uh, of when the episode drops and so forth. But this would be this is this you you guys will be able to hear this on Saturday, and um, yeah, like I said, Spotify listeners they get it a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I got to figure out why, but they do get it. They do get it a little bit earlier than the rest of you guys. Um. Like I said, go check out my reaction to the college football rankings, to the playoff rankings. Go check that out if you haven't. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Always remember two choices, one decision. Your boy is gone. I am out. I am. I'm going to be over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be hopping back and forth between um, some people's podcasts and so forth. So I also keep you guys updated with that. And lastly, if you are a Spotify listener, um, I mean, Spotify. I mean, all the Spotify listeners—they're just getting all the the good stuff. If you're a Spotify listener, like I said, there's going to be there's a Q and A portion where you can answer and reply. Um, you can reply and to my question and so forth. We can talk about it on the pod. But hope you guys enjoy. Peace, deuces, I'm out.